Hi, this is WGNO Sports Director Ed Daniels, and welcome to our weekly podcast of the WGNO Sports Zone, where we discuss and opine and report on all things local sports. In the WGNO Sports Zone, we always knew this was possible. Yeah, I mean, Zion's a you know, once-in-a-lifetime player. However, at the ripe old age of 20, his performance might even be bigger than he is and getting bigger. A football coach whose expectation landed him in mid-city. I envision myself being a head football coach at the highest level in the state. And a basketball coach who has stayed uptown all these years and is this close to a career mark reached by few others. All next in the WGNO Sports Zone. Hi and welcome to another edition of the WGNO Sports Zone. Great to be here with you and right now it's great to be Zion Williamson. What we've watched over the last five games from a 20-year-old is stunning. He's averaging 31 a game, shooting 70% from the field, 80% from the free throw line. As Alonzo Ball said, Zion a once-in-a-lifetime player and that is true. Yet despite Zion's greatness, during that five-game stretch the Pelicans have lost four. We've seen it before here. New Orleans strikes gold on the lottery with Chris Paul and with Anthony Davis, only to watch that player later force a trade. The Pelicans organization must do everything possible to build a championship team soon. If you don't think time flies, think Anthony Davis. One minute he was here, the next he wasn't. New Orleans cannot afford to let that happen yet again. Zion Williamson, a transcending player, a transcendent player as well, just as good as it gets and getting better. With more, here's Jerry Perry's. Truly, Ed, absolutely right. The Pelicans 2020 season, though, has been full of ups and downs, but the one guy who's been very steady is Zion Williamson. The 20-year-old has put up impressive numbers each outing, and because of that, is taking on an expanded role as a ball handler seamlessly. Zion Williamson scored 1,180 points in 50 career games, the most among active players. In his second year, Zion is averaging nearly 25 points, seven rebounds and three assists, shooting an impressive 61.8% from the field. He's just tough. There's only so much you can do, you know. I mean, um, and as I've said, we want to use him more and more as a primary ball handler. Um, and I have more confidence in that because as well as he finishes and scores the ball inside, he's also a very willing passer. Thanks in part to Zion, the Pelicans currently boast one of the top offenses in the NBA. Recently, the 20-year-old has taken on an expanded role as a ball handler. His versatility, Stan Van Gundy says, positively impacts the team. I think it's better for, our, not only for him, it's better for our spacing because now you've got a guy with the ball, You've got three shooters around him and a big on the baseline. I mean, so we have, you know, early in the year, everybody was saying, oh, I can't work with those two guys. Well, it's a little harder when they're both off the ball. But when Zion's on the ball, we've got pretty typical NBA spacing. So it's really not hard to play that way. And, and he's got those abilities. And we keep trying to find more and more ways to, to use him. 
and the team's been using him more on the perimeter. But Zion says the role comes naturally. I was always trained to you know, be a point guard, so uh, you know, a point guard can't get rattled. You always got to remain calm and always try to make the best player, make the, find the best option. So I think it just goes back to that. Tonight's game against the Suns marks just the 52nd game of Zion Williamson's young career. All righty, so how high is the ceiling as Zion reaches up? Let's ask our panel. Rich joins us as well. Rich, good afternoon, good evening. And what do you think about Zion and his ceiling? Well, when you look at it in this regard, he's only played 51 games. And the numbers for themselves, you know, say that he's averaging more points and more rebounds than LeBron James did his rookie year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So right then and there, and just by watching him on TV, you know he's a generational talent, especially with the way the teams are switching to more of a small ball scenario like you saw Portland do the other night against the Pelicans, like you saw the Rockets do last year with no big and Clint Capella gone. But the biggest thing for me, his ceiling could be as high as he wants it to be if he stays healthy. You mentioned Anthony Davis, who's already in his career missed over 100 games with injury. If Zion Williamson can stay healthy, consistently put up the number he, the numbers that he is right now, I think the sky's the limit. And of course, Anthony Davis out right now for four weeks as the Lakers are very cautious with him. Jury, how high is the ceiling? I don't think Zion Williamson has a ceiling. He's a young player. We'll start there. 20 years old. He's just scratching the surface of his NBA career. And you heard us talk about him scoring those 1180 points, the most among current active players in that span. It feels like Zion is setting records every time that he plays a game. And I think he's living up to this expectation of being the most hyped player since LeBron. I mean, it feels like he's doing it maybe just a little bit more quietly because last year he was hurt. Now this year the Pelicans have this losing record. But absolutely, Zion is a special talent with a bright, bright future. And I think it's a good point, Jerry. I think at this point he probably has no ceiling. And here's the thing that's amazing. If he's improved his free throw shooting, if he ever gets to 78 or 80%, he is a consistent 30-game-a-night scorer. And I've watched a lot of NBA basketball over the years, and I cannot remember too many of those. The Pelicans played the Suns tonight, their next game, live on ABC and WGNO Sunday at 2.30. Our Sports Zone post-game special airs right after the game. Tim Bird will join me in studio. Jury and Rich will be at the Smoothie King Center. Guests of the WGNO Sports Zone eat at that Amore's Pizzeria, West Metairie in Clearview. Now open for lunch Tuesday through Sunday at 11 a.m. Seafood, salads, pasta, ice cream, the best pizza in town. Try the deep dish Chicago style. That's Amore's Pizzeria. The food is terrific. Customers truly are treated like family. Up next, a football coach who tells us just how long he plans to be at Carrollton and Banks. And things like that just kind of make you reflect a little bit. A basketball coach who stayed long enough to reach a career milestone and why the future is bright uptown. Welcome back to the WGNO Sports Zone. Head coach hires in high school football don't usually accumulate this much buzz, but when a very successful coach leaves his school after leading them to three state championship games in four seasons, there's much to talk about. So this week, at his new job, we visited with Jesuit head coach Ryan Manali. He accepted the job on a Thursday, and by Friday he was in the office, working late. Very few football things slip past Ryan Manali, but the calendar on occasion does. Friday, Saturday morning, I, 
was fortunate enough to get one of the coaches' keys and pass to get in, and I think I've lived here since. And um, <laughs> told the wife yesterday, asking, what day is it again? Manali hopes to make a seamless transition to his new job. He will meet with as many players as possible Monday, and then after that, he will do a lot of observing. I want to see how exactly everything's done here. I have a lot of respect for every coach in this coach's office. I'm not coming in here to, you know, change day one what we're going to do. Uh, so I want to see how they train, how they work out, uh, how everybody is, and really try to get to know them. And then after a couple weeks, they have exams. After third quarter exams, I'll put a little stamp on, on our program here, uh, which I think is going to be uh, whatever that is. A pair of staffers will join him from De La Salle, but many of the longtime Jesuit assistant coaches will stay. Manali said he could have stayed at De La Salle for a long time and been very happy, but there was another hill to climb and Mid-City was the place to do it. I envision myself being a head football coach at the highest level in the state. And his goals for the Jesuit football program are big and consistent. I want to build it where year in, year out, we're talked about in that championship talk. In 2014, Jesuit snapped a 54-year drought, winning its first state football championship since 1960. Seven of the last nine Blue Jay coaches had winning records. Manali said his plan is to win a lot for a long time. I'm a, I'm a loyal person. I'm going to fall in love with Jesuit. I'm going to be here for a long time. He said he walked the halls of the school and could see and feel the history. All he has to do now is create some. And De La Salle moved quickly to replace Manali. The school hired alum Graham Jarrett, a member of De La Salle's Hall of Fame. So good luck to both. So we ask... Will Ryan Manali win a state championship at Jesuit? Let's start with Rich. Win? Uh, probably not. Compete? Yes. I'm only saying that because, you know, Division Two. it was St. Thomas Moore and De La Salle. It might still be that way moving forward, but this is Division One now. You have Jesuit, Rummel, Curtis, Catholic of Baton Rouge. You have all of these stud football programs who are all in contention each and every year. So win? No. Compete? Yes. Jory? See, I think he will. Why? Because I expect him to be in this program for a while. It sounds like that's his expectation as well. And you think about what he was able to do at De La Salle and the culture that he brought there. You can only expect him to bring that over to Jesuit. Now, Richie made a really good point last week on this discussion, saying that Jesuit's football team next year, they're losing a couple key seniors, might look a little bit like a different ball club. But overall, um, I think we can expect him to be successful. And with that track record, three appearances in the last four years at De La Salle, I think they're going to be just fine. I think it's a great hire. I think it's a great hire as well. I think he will win a state championship, at least one at Jesuit. The school has everything he needs. They have enrollment and they have resources, lots of them. And when you put that with a coach who is extremely organized and knows exactly what to do, I think it's hard not to be successful, and I think he will be very. State soccer playoffs head to the championships next week at Southeastern Louisiana. Here to talk about that and more is our friend Alan DeRitter, the head coach at De La Salle. Delighted to be talking prep soccer again with De La Salle head coach Alan DeRitter. Nice right. to see you again, my friend. Same here, same here. Happy New Year. It doesn't seem like 2020's left, <laughs> but Happy New Year. <laughs> All right, it is gone. Good for that. And the playoffs are here. Now, yes. some subjects let's talk about. Pope John Paul II reaching the semifinals. Yeah. The other day, they defeated Newman, the defending state champions. Let's talk about that game and how big 
and how significant do you think this was? Uh, I think it's quite significant because Newman was uh, really starting to peak. Uh, the soccer is getting to be flawless. But Pope John Paul II, they have enough depth uh, that they look like a Division I team when it comes to the amount of people they have on the bench, and they have quality people on the bench. And, uh, and they've been knocking at the door for years, but this might be the year that they get through. And that Newman game, I think, proves it. And they're the number one seed, but they're not, quote-unquote, a soccer factory. Did they come out of nowhere, or has this been building? No, it's been building. Okay, Danny's done a great job over there, uh, one year at a time, one step at a time. It's, it's actually our classic build uh, to do it the right way. And right now, it's, it's kind of an autopilot where it's gonna be, they're going to be a power now for years to come. Jesuit unbeaten. How surprised are you by that? Um, at the first, a little... After I covered their Lusher game, not at all. They are big. They have depth. They basically have three varsity teams, and, uh, and they're interchangeable. Uh, and who's got that, you know? And, and so uh, this, is, this is a really impressive Jesuit team, one of the strongest ones I've seen. I'll never think that any team was better than the 99 Jesuit team, but right. this one knocks on the door. Okay, will they defeat St. Paul's? They're certainly the favorite on Saturday, right? I, I do think that St. Paul's is going to have a hard time, not just with the, the team they're playing, but at the place they're playing. Uh, Ryan Field for Jesuit is confusing. It's a baseball field, football field. There's lines everywhere, and it takes a team a little while to get oriented, so it's a definite home field advantage for them. I, I'm telling you, when I bring a team there, I have to make sure we get there an hour early just to orient the kids. Hmm. Interesting. All right, speaking of field, Strawberry Stadium as the state championship venue this year on turf. Your thoughts? Well, you know how I feel about turf, but uh, turf is good for our kind of weather, I guess. You know, but turf makes the game faster. The one thing I'll say, the hospitality at Strawberry Field last year was amazing. Uh, the organization there was fantastic. Uh, the field, uh, uh, I don't know if they've changed the turf from last year, but the field, the turf last year was very, very poor. And, and it leads to the ball playing a lot faster than normal. East Jefferson over St. Thomas More. Shocker or not? Uh, shocker because of the fact that uh, East Jefferson's always been good, you know, but when they get to this round, it usually, uh, you know, something befalls them, you know, and I guess being at home was, is finally a, a, a welcome change because usually they're on the road at this time. And uh, St. Thomas More had to come uh, a long way, but St. Thomas More is tough and uh, they're battle tested. And I, I think uh, it's going to be East Jefferson's problem right now to not get full of themselves because they got to go the distance now, you know, but be, I can't blame them if they feel like they've won a state championship by being St. Thomas Moore. There is some added motivation for the Tulane women's basketball team to defeat conference opponent South Florida tomorrow. It's a chance to upset the AAC's top team in the 12th ranked Bulls, and they can avenge their loss to USF earlier this year. But it's also a chance to help their head coach accomplish yet another milestone, one of many she's already set in her tenured and successful career at Tulane University. The next time the Tulane women's basketball team wins a game, head coach Lisa Stockton will join elite company. She'll become just the 77th women's head basketball coach to reach the 600 win mark. Things like that just kind of make you reflect a little bit just on um, you know, your career here and different players you've coached and people you've worked with. So, um, yeah, I just feel like I'm really fortunate to have been in the game as long as I have and to, to have been a head coach as long as I have.
27 of her 30 years as head basketball coach have been spent in Uptown New Orleans. Stockton was hired by Tulane in 1995, leading the Green Wave to its first NCAA tournament appearance that season. Since then, she's seen three Conference Coach of the Year recognitions, four Conference USA regular season titles, five Conference tournament titles, and a total of 18 postseason appearances. Stockton says that given the nature of the coaching profession, most coaches would have pursued newer challenges elsewhere. But she says that her being at Tulane was just a perfect fit. It hasn't been a situation where I've, I've tried to make it here that long. It's just been a, just such a great situation. And, you know, we've been able to be successful that it's, it's home to me now. Um, so... Um, I'm really glad I stayed in one place. I'm sure Tulane University is glad she did as well. 599 total wins in 27 seasons, winning nearly 65% of her basketball games. With three regular season games left and a young, talented team, win number 600 is bound to happen soon. Stockton wishes it would happen sooner than later because she doesn't want this to be her team's biggest win this season. Honestly, it'd be great to be over. Just want to be over. You know, I don't want any pressure on the team. I don't want them to feel that. Um, but, you know, our focus is so much about getting into postseason that, um, you know, that's a step along the way. Tulane, South Florida tomorrow at 6 p.m. They have two regular season games remaining after this weekend before the conference tournament begins March 8th. Ed, Jory, lots and lots of opportunities to get win number 600. Okay, I think it's a, uh, it's a tremendous milestone for a person who has uh, been in the coaching profession a long time and has been at one place in a long for a long time. Jory, I think you have to really tip your hat to Coach Stockton for consistent excellence. Oh, no doubt. It's absolutely a remarkable milestone and one that not a lot of coaches can say, right? A 600th win, but you talked about that. Her 27th year here at Tulane, you look at what she's done, how big she's been for the program. She led them to their first NCAA tournament, tournament appearance. They've made, what, 11 since? Just truly unbelievable and a lot of respect there. Rich? Championship hardware, multiple 20-win seasons. They're 15-6 and six right now, and it just seems each and every recruiting class that she gets is just more and more impressive. So I think that it's sustained success and it's something she can continue to do for many more years if she wants to. Who says 600 has to be the biggest win milestone she accomplishes in her career? And I think it's a good point, Rich, because when you have Jacrela Jordan, I think you can win a lot more games. <laughs> She's been spectacular, 28 points the other night and only a freshman, the third leading scorer in the league is a true freshman. So I think the future is very, very bright for Tulane's women's basketball program. Back with more in the WGNO Sports Zone after this. <laughs> Pelicans play the Suns on Friday night, of course, in their next game live on WGNO and ABC. Sunday at 2.30, our Sports Zone postgame special airs right after. The New Orleans Pelicans take on the Boston Celtics. Tim Bird, Riverside head coach, will join me in studio. Jury and Rich will be at the Smoothie King Center. We have lots in store for you, along with Tim's insights. Insights from Jury and Rich, the reports from the game. And, of course, we'll also visit with Pelicans Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, David Griffin, as he expounds on, I think, some really interesting topics. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson as ball handlers and the future and why he feels that the Pelicans are doing fine as they move on with the long-term build. It was an interesting conversation. We'll bring it to you all, and then after that, we'll have it online at WGNO.com. 
Time now for our final rant. And for that, let's go to Richie Mills. I'm, I'm not going to specify anything, but if, you on, if you're on social media and you see a post that could garner a lot of attention, you know, maybe about a certain quarterback making a certain retirement decision regarding a certain team that might be in the state, please, for the love of everything, look at the date. It was a year ago, guys. I can't tell you the amount of times said post was shared yesterday without looking at the date. It's just irresponsible, and it causes a fuss, and it did here as well. So, I think that's a good rant. Jory? I do as well, actually. And what I'm going to rant about this week, not to get too deep here, but obviously a headline in the news was the winter weather and that affecting a lot of different things. Certainly thoughts out to everybody who might have neg- negatively been impacted. I know that's a very serious thing, but I know you guys know me here in the sports office. I made the mistake of writing down games for this upcoming week, trying to get ahead, <laughs> just schedule, plan, be smart, responsible. But I didn't factor in that things might change with the severity of winter weather. So. I think my rant's just going to be, guys, sometimes we just have to take life as it comes at us. And that's what I've meditated on this week. <laughs> it's well, it's a good, it's, it's, it is. It's cold. And you know what? Hey, if that's the biggest problem we have is that we have to change our game schedule, then we're truly blessed. We are. One other thing about the whole Twitter thing, all right? It's great for information, but other than that, in a lot of respects, sewer is a, a Twitter is a sewer. That's just my, my thoughts on that. That's one rant. And second of all, I'd like to congratulate Tulane head basketball coach Lisa Stockton. The women's program does not a lot of times get a lot of publicity, but she's done an unbelievable job over the years and always run a class program. Her young ladies represent the university well, and they've been extraordinarily successful. So I think when it comes to the definition of success that goes winning and beyond, Coach Stockton has checked all the boxes. Congratulations and much success moving forward. We thank you for joining us in the WGNO Sports Zone. For Rich and Jury, I'm Ed. We'll see you each and every week at 1030 right here on NOAA 38. Thank you for being with us. Have a great weekend.